Oh, the nose plays. Welcome to Quarantine Anima, aka Quarantine Anima, aka Quarantine Anima, the only podcast where we don't know how to say the name of the show. My name's Connor Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us today. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I guess this is the Thanksgiving episode. Uh, so, obviously, so this is dropping Wednesday before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, we are, we're still planning on doing uh, the show the way we normally do. Uh, so, we'll have a new episode for you on Friday uh, as well. And. Might drop a little late. I might record it on Friday, but uh, so, so stay tuned for that. But there will be a new episode on Friday. So, all that being said, uh, let's talk about movies that we're thankful for. <laughs> That's gonna be the theme today. Uh, and I'm thankful for uh, Steven Soderbergh uh, and the Ocean's Trilogy. Really, is one of my favorite ones out there. Uh, it's they're tough to rank because they're all like they're so different i mean like okay so like the favorite trilogies that come to mind i think you know the original lord of the rings trilogy uh the uh obviously the original star wars uh the dark knight trilogy the uh oh boy i mean they're like there's just so many good ones to pick from uh and then one that everyone seems to enjoy but always gets overlooked in those you know best trilogy of all time conversations is the oceans movies i don't think it's the best one of all time but uh you have three very consistent uh consistently rewatchable consistently funny uh entertaining movies uh whether that's just the you know the stellar cast uh the brand the you know unique brand of humor that it brings uh the just the 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 aesthetic of the movie whether it's uh the visuals or you know the uh, the, you know, the set that they're on or the, the music that's playing and things like that uh, it's just three very 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 re- instantly re- rewatchable movies like I can't like I can't rewatch Lord of the Rings all that often because the movies are three hours long and they're exhausting the cast is just as big if not bigger uh, well, well it's definitely bigger <laughs> uh, but, but you know what I mean um, you know there's like the those movies are exhausting. The but oceans, the oceans movies they're just so. I don't know rewatchable. Like you can like I've seen Oceans Eleven. Uh, I, I've officially ranked Oceans Eleven second on my all time watch list uh, in terms of quantity. Uh, following Remember the Titans, uh, twelve and thirteen. I've probably seen thirteen more actually, and uh, I actually enjoy thirteen a lot more than twelve. Uh, not to say that uh, I don't enjoy 12. If you've listened to the last two episodes that we've done, uh, I I gave uh, Ocean's Eleven a five, five stars. So did uh, my special guest, uh, Will Keller, our uh, Jewish movie correspondent. Uh, and uh, the Ocean's Twelve, I gave it a, a three and a half. Um, flawed, flawed final act on that one. But overall, it's uh, you know still pretty good movie and oceans 13 which is going to be the focus of this episode today that's the movie we're thankful for uh it like i I, this one is just so it's weird it's weird to see trilogies like you know they start off hot and then they get a sequel and then the third one like it's it's very rare that uh you know the the last in a trilogy is the best one uh, I mean, look at just look at all of them. You know, you have the Dark Knight franchise. Obviously, the Dark Knight is the best one. This, you know, the sequel, uh, the original Star Wars. Obviously, Empire. It well, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Empire is the best one in that one. Uh, Two Towers probably the best Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, or depending on who you ask, I mean, there's Return. I think Return of the King is 
amazing as well, but Two Towers is just fucking insane. So you usually see the second one. Um, so the second one, like they're able to build and everything that they uh, you you know that they built in the first one for you. The first one they kind of established the world uh, and and the characters, and the second one they're able to build on that and you know kind of throw more at the screen. And then the third one, it's very rare that they live up to expectations. Uh, the Ocean's franchise does something a little different. Obviously, it's you know it comes out swinging uh, with an absolute classic uh, first one. Uh, neither of the two really live up to the first one, but uh, the second one, t- you know, takes a notable dip uh, down. Still good, but the first one's so good that it's impossible for the first uh, for uh, for the second one to live up to it. Uh, and then they surprise a lot of people with the third one. I think uh, they, you know, they're back in Vegas. They're back to their roots. Uh, and it's it's just better. I don't know. <laughs> it, it it's uh, it's definitely the the middle of the pack when it comes to uh, the Ocean's trilogy. Uh, I think the the humor is is still there. Uh, I think in Ocean's Twelve they went a lot more for uh, for laughs than substance, uh, which is fair. And you know they're all all three of them are very funny movies. Uh, this one I think it brings the laughs. Uh, I think it's got a fun story. You know it's uh, it's more of a revenge. Uh, heist, <laughs> uh, so to speak. Uh, obviously, the introduction of Al Pacino uh, as um, uh, what's his face Bank on uh, this one, and he, you know, that's he, he's a great villain. He's he's a very dislikable character uh, in that one or in this one. He's he's probably easier to hate than uh, Terry Benedict, Andy Garcia's character uh, from. Well, he's in all three, but um, in the first two. <laughs> like in the first one, like like yeah, like he's not he he didn't do anything, you know, to the oceans guys. You know, I mean, yeah, like he was, uh, you know, you know, he was trying to take uh, Danny's wife and stuff like that. But like he didn't do anything. But you know, we're, we're kind of everyone can get on board uh, with hating Al Pacino in this movie right from the get go because you see him uh, kind of screw over Ruben and Ruben's, uh, you know, one of he's one of the guys. He's one of the great side characters uh, from. Uh, so obviously, like within the Ocean's Eleven group, there's like primary guys and tertiary guys, and he's probably or not tertiary but secondary. Uh, he's definitely one of the secondary guys, but he is you know a, a prominent figure in uh, you know all three movies. So it's cool uh, to see them actually uh, to see you know to get the viewer on board with hating Al Pacino's character uh, and rooting for Ruben uh, and the guys to get revenge for Ruben. So uh, I think that was great. I think I think it's it's a fun it's a fun twist. Uh, the Obviously, the stakes have never been higher as, you know, <laughs> that's just how it works in sequels. Um, but that, but uh, like the plot itself is fun, you know, working w- with Benedict this time um, and bringing, in, bringing back Eddie Izzard. Uh, and, you know, they have this, uh, you know, impenetrable security system uh, in the casino that uh, they have to work around and come up with a clever plan to do. Uh, and similar to, well, not... N- so okay, so this one, not everyone gets uh, as much of a chance to shine. I think some of the guys get more than others. Uh, I think you see um, K- Casey Affleck probably takes a, bit, a step forward in this one. Um, Bernie Mac definitely. I mean, we talked about it in the last one. He doesn't really have much to do in Twelve either. Um, <laughs> he doesn't. He, yeah, he's a much more prominent character in, in Ocean's Eleven. Uh, but in 12, like, he takes a serious step back, really isn't in it that much. This one, kind of the same thing. He's not really in it that much. He only gets, like, one or two scenes 
uh, to really shine, but you don't really get to utilize him as much as you'd like. Uh, Don Cheadle took a step forward in Ocean's 12. Probably takes a... Eh, Maybe not in terms of screen time, but as far as like his alone time, like he's not really in the ensemble as much. He's more, it's more so like his scenes. Um, and this one, I think he takes a step forward. Matt Damon definitely takes, uh, you know, a step, you know, a step in the right direction here. You know, his whole hilarious uh, storyline is uh, <laughs> uh, the, you know, uh, his cover in this one is uh, <laughs> his name is Lenny Pepperidge, and he's wearing this prosthetic nose, and you know, he's he, it's ba- he's basically obsessed with the nose. Uh, throughout the movie, which I think is uh, very funny. Matt Damon, I, I think Linus Caldwell is Matt Damon's best character, uh, honestly. I think <laughs> he's like he's funny, easy, easy guy to like, uh, and I'm honestly not the biggest Matt Damon fan. Well, I take that. Well, okay, so I'm just going to, everything I just said, I'm just going to retract that because I, because Will Hunting <laughs> is is Matt Damon's best character um, from Good Will Hunting, but uh, but at the same like at the same time the Ocean's movies were coming out, uh, Matt Damon had the Bourne franchise, and I don't know, I, I never really got into the Bourne movies. I liked it more than these ones. I, I think this brand, like this type of material is just it, it fits Matt Damon better. He's not like an action guy. I don't know I don't know why people keep trying to push that on us, but uh, but no, he's a great he. I mean, it's Matt Damon. He's a great actor. <laughs> um, okay, so. And actually, so uh, in terms of like the screen time and stuff like that, George Clooney is actually kind of down in this movie. Doesn't really have as much to do. Uh, I mean, obviously, part of that's just because like his reputation, you know, in the movie, and like he's been uh, really the the like the final act, the night of the heist. He's kind of just being a coach, uh, really, just kind of making sure the plan gets followed. He's not really doing much. Uh, But again, that's because you know everyone in the hotel is looking at him, and he's an obvious, you know. uh, it'd be like he can't he can't do anything because everyone knows he's going to be doing something so he, he's got to keep a low profile um, <laughs> obviously so you know Brad Pitt's doing all this stuff the you know the Malloys are doing all this uh, stuff underground Don Cheadle's uh, he has the cartwheel where he uh, you know steals the motorcycle guy's uh, outfit has that great scene oh shit what's his name uh, Fender Rhodes <laughs> Fender Rhodes is one of the best like uh, disguises uh, in, in the whole series, uh, pay me my money. So, uh, and and of course, uh, Car- <laughs> uh, Saul, what a gem of a character! Really, in all three movies, uh, he gets probably the same amount of screen time. He's you can make an argument that Saul had to do a lot more. We ta- we kind of talked about this in uh, the Ocean's Eleven episode, but Saul really had to do a lot in all three movies. Uh, <laughs> like the movie, the you know the heist doesn't work without Saul and uh, all three. Maybe not in Ocean's Twelve; they can do it without him. But uh, but again, we had a problem with the ending with that one. Uh, but th- this one uh, has Gensington Chubb, <laughs> very very funny. So, uh, but yeah, I think so. The first time I I saw I saw this movie in theaters, I um, so I'd seen. Ocean's Eleven I saw on TV when I was a kid. Ocean's Twelve I saw in theaters with my family, and this one I saw it with my friends. I was like, let's see, I think it came out in two thousand seven, so I would have been fifteen, yeah, fourteen, fifteen years old at the time. So I remember walking out of it, and one of my friends looked at me, and she hadn't seen Ocean's Eleven or Twelve, so. 
and we're 14. <laughs> um, and she looked at me and she goes, that was so fucking cool. And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, there's really no other, other way to describe uh, this movie is, is that it's just cool. The the brain of humor. The music in this movie is awesome. The best. I think this is probably the best soundtrack out of all three movies. Uh, obviously, Ocean's Twelve. They started. They went with more like European thing. Uh, this one, it closely mirrors uh, what you had in Ocean's Eleven, uh, which is all, you know also a great soundtrack. But this one, something about it's just fucking sweet. I don't know. I, like, it's just ah, I fucking love this movie. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> uh, and I. I feel like I'm talking in circles because all I can really say is just like this movie is cool. This movie is cool. This movie is cool. <laughs> but 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 hey, it's true. The movie is cool. So um, a couple of the other things I noticed uh, this time around. Well, I mean, so really, what stuck out is just uh, how good Matt Damon was. And I know I just uh, kind of ta- uh, talked on this, but uh, so it just really uh, something really stuck out this time about. Like, uh, so obviously, like, it, you know, he has more to do on uh, this one. You know, he's actually, like, undercover playing a character, something that, uh, you know, he do, he does in Ocean's Eleven, but not very well. Uh, or, or wasn't really a fun character. Now he's Lenny Pepperidge. Uh, <laughs> Lenny Pepperidge with the nose. And, uh, you know, the whole thing, uh, the ongoing joke with his dad throughout uh, the entire trilogy, really. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, he's just... Like Matt Damon is so like he's so funny. I wish he did more funny shit, but but he doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. I, okay, we're back on the Matt Damon now. I want to get back off of Matt Damon. Um, so as far as uh, oh, oh uh, okay. What, speaking of funny, uh, Casey Affleck and Scott Cann in this movie, uh, really throughout the entire trilogy, these guys are just fucking hysterical. Um, and just like their plot line in this one, you know, the Malloy brothers, uh, Casey Affleck has to go down uh, to Mexico at, certain, at one point. Then he ends up like leading a strike, <laughs> um, you know, like a labor strike. And then uh, Scott Cann goes down there and, you know, he, you know, he, he goes down there to fix the strike. And then he ends up joining it like he's throwing cocktails like over the, <laughs> you know, over the fence and everything. Uh, and then, you know, when he when they finally get back to America, you know, he just gives Lester that big hug. And, or, uh, I forgot his name, but he just goes like, tell Lester I said hang tough. And it's the same guy he was talking to in Mexico. Uh, I don't know. He's just so fucking... They're just... They, they have this great chemistry together. Uh, <laughs> then there's a scene where they're kicking the VUP. The, oh, well, okay, we'll get to the VUP in a sec. Um, uh, the scene where <laughs> they have to kick him out of his room... Uh, and, you know, they're telling him that he's gone smell blind, and they're just like, back your strings! <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know, they're just, the, the, like, I knew, I knew it was coming, but, the, like, the look Casey Affleck gets when he, like, grinds his teeth together and just goes like, back your strings! Like, I, I audibly laughed. <laughs> and I, I've seen this movie 50-plus times, uh, really, but, like, it's still funny to me. Uh, he's a wildly talented actor uh, in general, Uh Maybe not the best guy, <laughs> but uh, just a, wild, a wildly talented actor, and he's very, very funny in in all these movies. Really, I haven't really seen him do a whole lot of comedy. I think, and then obviously the movie that he goes off and wins an Oscar for was one of the most depressing things I've ever seen in my life, uh, Manchester by the Sea. But, but yeah, no, that's. I just I, I love I love their dynamic. Okay, so let's get to the VUP. The VUP, um, one of. Uh, he's a great tertiary character because 
like throughout the entire movie he's getting screwed for no like the whole Ocean's crew is fucking with him for no reason well there's a reason but uh, through no fault of his own <laughs> uh, you know they just found out who he was and they started fucking with him you know they like infected his bed sheets with some with some kind of bed bug uh, you know, so he gets this rash, and uh, just the way, like, uh, like he's always getting shitty service in the hotel. Uh, obviously, the scene where, you know, they kick him out, and, like, the, you know, Rusty's paying off all the hotel workers to just treat this guy. And eventually, you just, like, feel for the guy. You're just like, oh, my God, like, this poor guy. Like, this poor guy. And, like, he they keep, like, cutting to him throughout the movie, and, like, his situation just gets worse and worse, and he looks worse and worse throughout the entire thing. Uh, and it kind of just uh, builds up to this moment at the end where, uh, you know, he's finally, like, he is the five diamond guy, the guy that Al Pacino is supposed to be impressing, but uh, the Ocean's crew has convinced him otherwise. Uh, he just, you know, he goes up to him and says, like, I just want to thank you for, you know, kicking me out of your hotel. And Al Pacino's just like, well, who are you? <laughs> just, it's just the ultimate, like, oh man, this poor dude. But then it all pays off in the end. I never really put these two and two together. I mean, like, y yes, I have, but like, it just kind of like the irony of it not irony but just like the like the gratifying ending of it all just really hit, resonated with me this time uh they rig uh one of the machine you know rusty's playing on a slot machine next to him in the airport and he sees him <laughs> uh so once he sees who he's playing next to he gets up tells him like hey play this one it's you know it's paying out uh, and then he wins 11 million dollars <laughs> and that's the last shot of the movie so very very satisfying ending for the VUP uh, VUP played by and I think I'm he's one of those guys where it's like I've seen him in other things but I can't for the life of me think of what that is VUP was shit who is he alright it's played by a guy named David Pamer and David Pamer, oh, he's an he's, he's an Oscar-nominated actor. That's why, uh, for Mister Saturday Night, uh, best supporting actor in a supporting role from 1992. Uh, going through some of his recent credits, nothing, nothing, nothing. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, okay. Um, so, all right, so he played a Brook doctor in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and, and again, he's in stuff, just nothing I've seen nor heard of. A lot of TV stuff. Um, Alright, so he's... He's an actor. He's a confirmed actor. <laughs> okay, so... On that note, I'm clearly running out of things to talk about with this one. I'm kind of looking forward... Like, I've been looking forward to doing the Oceans trilogy the entire time we've been doing this, and now... Kind of Oceans out. Oceans... Oceans... Out. I don't know. I've, been, we, I've spent the last three episodes talking about Oceans movies, and I spent the, the episode before that... Talking about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Another George Clooney movie. So I am ready to move on from, uh, you know, Oceans and George Clooney and everything. And fr Friday's gonna be a good day. I'm I'm really looking forward to Friday's episode. Um. All right. So, without further ado, why don't we get some did you knows about Oceans 13? Then we'll wrap this one up a little early. How's that sound, boys and girls? Okay. All right. So. First, did you know, Matt Damon's London street scene, showing Linus walking through London, speaking on the phone, was shot while Matt Damon was on London filming The Bourne Ultimatum. The Ocean's 13 production took advantage of this happy coincidence, as they wanted the character Greco to be a British classmate of Roman uh, Nagel, who, <laughs> thus Linus's being in London, played well to the story. 
I never put two and two together there, uh, but that's really, really funny. <laughs> um, and there's a follow-up, did you know, uh, to that one. Matt Damon's brief scene on a London street corner is very reminiscent of the Bourne movies. Uh, handheld camera, European location, cell phone use, even the dialogue, quote, <laughs> I've used four identities, I think I'm being followed, I have a name, but I don't even know if it's right. So, a nice little funny, like, in-joke, you know, in this one. And there's a couple of these throughout the whole series. I think they kind of zeroed in on uh, on, uh, Damon, Clooney, and Pitt. Uh, In this one, they kind of all have, like, you know, jabs at their careers and personal lives uh, (laughs) in this one. So, obviously, that's a funny joke, which I I admit, I've seen this movie as many times as I've seen it. That never even occurred to me. So, I learned something new, even on my 50th time watching a movie. So, how about that? Um, And then, obviously, at the end of the movie, uh, when Brad Pitt and George Clooney are saying goodbye to each other, uh, Brad Pitt says to Clooney, like, hey, keep off the weight next time. Obviously alluding to George Clooney's weight gain for Syriana, where he had to put on like 50 pounds and he grew a beard uh, for a movie that he ended up winning an Oscar for. Uh, and then Clooney looks at him and he says, like, you need to settle down, have a couple of kids. Obviously, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie were just picking up any kid that they could find <laughs> from the adoption agency at that point. Uh, so pretty fun, pretty funny jabs there. I, I, they kind of break the fourth wall without really breaking the fourth wall. So that was kind of funny. Okay, uh, second, did you know, Al Pacino was director Steven Soderbergh's first choice for the role of Willie Bank. The film's producer, Jerry Weintraub, a friend of Pacino's, persuaded him to join the cast. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. So I was 14 when I saw this for the first time in theaters. I had no idea that's who Al Pacino was. Like, I, it, it took me, like... like until like a year or two later to realize that that was Al Pacino or maybe I saw it in the credits, but like it did not occur to me even in even the slightest that this guy was Al Pacino. I, I mean, again, I'm playing the 14 year old card. And so, and like I, I was into movies, but I wasn't really like in to movies the way I was like, I hadn't seen heat. I hadn't, I don't think I had seen the Godfathers uh, at that point. I hadn't seen Scarface. I mean, but even if I had, he looks so different, you know, those, you know, all that stuff is so old. And so like his, you know, his more modern stuff at the time, I wasn't really familiar with because I didn't really know who he was. So, uh, but no, I mean, like, and like he's Al Pacino. Yeah. But he's not really playing the, you know, like whoa, Al Pacino in this one, you know, Uh, which I mean, he's kind of like, he's made a career out of stuff like this. But again, he's a, he's a very hateable, hateable guy in this movie. Uh, easy to root against, which uh, I think is very, very key uh, to uh, why this movie's so enjoyable and why we enjoy watching uh, his character suffer. <laughs> uh, all right, and the third and final, did you know? During the film's climax, several shots are used of various bystanders. One of them is cashing out a rather large amount of chips. It is the same actor who played Bulldog the Bruiser in Ocean's Eleven, as well as Bernie Mac's attorney in Ocean's Twelve. Uh, I like, they really do a bunch of this throughout the entire movie. They kind of bring people back in uh, from uh, the first two movies. Obviously, no Julia Roberts uh, in this one, which I haven't seen. I'll, I'll start scrolling here, see if I find something about her. But, so, I, uh, obviously, no Julia Roberts in this one. Uh, no Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, but you do have uh, guys returning, like Eddie Izzard's character. Uh, you have, obviously, Bulldog the Bruiser. you got... Uh, Francois Talor, played by Vincent Cassell, uh, is in this one. Um, I think, uh, 
Oh, the Benedict's henchmen, I think, are in there at some point. Uh, like the two like big twins. Um, there's got to be another one at some point, but um, but yeah, no, I think like I like that it's it's a good like wrap up to the, you know the whole franchise. Uh, really, I mean, every everyone gets their you know their own scene. Uh, so to speak. Oh, the amazing Yen, another guy who uh, got got shafted on time in this one. Very little lines. Again, non non English speaking actor or character. So, you know, you yeah, he's not gonna have dialogue, but he usually does cool shit. And then this one and this movie, they his like thing was well, he had two things. One was the elevator shaft like jumping scene where he's dodging all the elevators. Uh, for some reason, the way they shot it, it's really like grainy, grainy and red, and just kind of like looks odd. Like obviously they're going for a style there, but I don't think it really pays off uh, that great. But um, and then obviously he's uh, Mr. Wang, who's this like supposed like big real estate tycoon, uh, who's uh, Matt, Matt, Dam- Matt Damon's Lenny Pepperidge is uh, his interpreter <laughs> uh, for this one. So he kind of just like plays a pawn, uh, really in that whole thing, but. Uh, but yeah, no, I w- would have loved to have seen uh, some more Yen, uh, in addition to some of the other cast members. Uh, okay, so, I think that's going to do it uh, for this one, guys. We're, this has been fun, uh, so before we break for Thanksgiving, which, I, you know, I didn't even it didn't even occur to me that it was Thanksgiving week, and like, I hadn't even thought about recording on Friday yet. If I record on, so I usually record the day before it drops. If I record on Thursday, I'm going to be drunk. <laughs> so so I, do I want to drink and watch Office Space, which is going to be Friday's movie? Uh, Friday's movie. Uh, do I want to drink, get drunk and watch Office Space, and then record a podcast about it? We'll see. I'm excited. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but no, this is. Uh, th- thank you all so much uh, for listening, uh, and you know, like you know, liking our, our stuff on social media. It's really been great. Uh, I know we've been doing this for a while now. Um, we started this in March and March or April, uh, pretty much as soon as quarantine shut down, like I, I made it a point to do something like this. Uh, and I've really enjoyed, uh, being able to go back and watch some old movies, uh, that I hadn't seen in a long time, as well as some of, uh, my favorite movies, uh, that, you know, I, I watch a little more frequently, but they're my favorite movies for a reason is because I love to rewatch them. Uh, so this whole project has been great, uh, so far. I'm very, very thankful for everyone, uh, for, uh, just all the kind words and, uh, you know, for, and, uh, for taking the time to listen. I know some of the episodes aren't that short, uh, not definitely not as short as this one's going to be, but, uh, I really, really appreciate it. And, uh, I would also appreciate it if you would just tell people to listen because, uh, this, you know, we're, we're doing this for you guys here. So, uh, the more people we can get listening, the more fun we're going to have. Um, going forward, we got a great slate of movies. We're almost done with, uh, the third, uh, shelf we're about. Give it about give it about three weeks and we're, we'll be officially seventy five percent of the way done. So uh, we're a little more we're right right between like two thirds and three fourths of the way done so far. But uh, anyway, that's gonna do it. Uh, so in the meantime, go follow us on social media. We're at Quarantine Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you can also subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are heard. Uh, you can subscribe. Uh, so hey, in the meantime, happy Thanksgiving, and don't be a hero. Oh, I should also add before Thanksgiving, no drinking and driving. You shouldn't be driving anyway, but if you're going to be driving, don't be drinking.
Okay? All right. Public service announcement over. Uh, so, don't be a hero. Stay inside. Watch a movie.